Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. Hey, Mike, so I am told that the great people at, and I'm going to mispronounce it. Oyo? Yeah. Oyo. Uh, At Oyo. O-I-V-O. So it's Oivo? It's O-I-V-O. So the great people at Oivo, Oivo. Video Game Accessories, they manufacture and they make some excellent products for the Switch, the PlayStation, the Xbox. They were nice enough to let us test out a product for the PS5. Mike, can you tell us about it? Yeah, they were. They were they were sending they sent us a charger station for the PS5 and it charges two controllers. This is the upgraded version of the PS5 charging station because I guess the PS5 has been out for almost a year. And they've upgraded this this model and it's it's great. It's exactly what you kind of need it to be. It's you can you can charge two controllers on it which in and of itself is awesome. They they give it to you complete with the USB-C uh, charger that you can plug into two different ports on whatever you're using USB to charge either the console itself or maybe if you have like some sort of USB charging port area like I do, I plugged it into one of those and it charges these controllers very quickly. Now, they give you any sort of signal identification that when it is fully charged? Yeah, there's like this breathing LED light that shows, it either shows it red or blue. And that shows you when the controller is either not charged or is charged. And I purposely let my controllers die down because I've been playing so much Ratchet and Clank. I let them die down and to test to see how how long it actually takes. And yeah, charge them up, both of them up in just about two hours. The the LED, it'll breathe. So while it's charging in status, so you'll see it, the, the LED lights kind of breathing for you. And then it'll get to blue. So you'll start, you'll see it's red. It's like, oh, my controller's not charged. And slowly but surely it gets up to blue. And uh, that's when you know your controllers are charged. You can pop them right out. You don't have to worry about plugging wires into the top of the PS5 So the controller sort of docks into it? It sort of sits yes. into it? Yeah, it sits into it. So both controllers dock into it nicely, actually. They they fit perfectly. Uh, they, they they slip right into the right into the device. And you don't have to worry about the cumbersome nature of plugging these into like your PS5 from like the top USB port, which could cause problems if someone walks by and trips and takes your PS5 fridge right out onto the floor. And then you're out. However much you spent on the PS5, I won't tell. Uh, Matt knows how much I spent because he uh, he bought it and I paid him back for it. And you don't have to worry about that. And you gotta you can keep it away from everything, so you don't have to worry about uh, it getting in the mess of everything else. And it's great. It's a really great small compact charging port, and uh, I've really enjoyed my time using it. So thank you very much to Ovio or Ovo Oivo. Sorry, thank you very much to Oivo for supplying us with this because it's a really great accessory to have with your PlayStation controllers because these things die pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, And I, I hate my, my PS five right now. It comes with a USB cord and I have to plug it in each time I want to charge it. You know, I, I like that on my switch. I could just dock a joy con in to the switch to charge it. So this sounds really nice being able to dock it. And the great people at OIVO is they're at O I V O games and you can find them on Instagram or go to their website. And again, that's, O-I-V-O games.com. 
Yeah, and definitely check out this charger station if you have a couple of PS5 controllers. It's Even if you have one, it's definitely worth it. It's definitely, like, I, I love how small it is. It doesn't take up the the, the uh, footprint. It's very small, and it gets the job done. Charge your controllers up. So if you're, like, going to, that's like, all right, I got to go shopping. I'm going to be out for a few hours. You can pop them in here. It'll charge them up, and by the time you get back home, ready to play video games again, you'll be able to because you'll you'll charge them up nice and quickly, and you'll be able to see if your controllers are charged without having to plug it into the console, which is also nice. Very cool. Well, Mike, thank you very much for testing it for us. No and problem. thank you for the great people at Oivo for letting us try it out. Yes. Thank you, Oivo. This was cool. Thank you so much for that. And uh, we really appreciate it because it's really nice to get your hands on some great uh, peripherals and great accessories for these amazing consoles. Thank you. Hey, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Hall of Fame pod. We have our we're all lathered up here. We have our, our shine on. We've done our, our push-ups to make ourselves look extra flex today. My name is Matt Levy, and I am joined the other side of the ring, Mike Staub. How are you, Mike? That's right, brother. I'm the Intercontinental Champion, and you're not going to take away my belt. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> it's good to see you, man. I see you got your attitude. You got your WWE attitude ready. That's right. The attitude era of the WWE, or we used to call it WWF back in the day before that company with the Panda logo got upset, where the attitude era of the WWE, WWF was when we grew up with, with wrestling. The, the mid to late 90s was kind of, it was an interesting time for, for wrestling in general, and it might have been one of the best times for wrestling, especially the WWF, but also at this time, you also had the the pushback from the WCW, where WCW was actually kind of doing better than WWF or WWE. And because of this, I think we got a lot of great products that came out at that era. And the game we're going to talk about today, I think, is probably my favorite of the wrestling games ever. Yeah, the Mike, so. the, the transition from the WCW NWO popularity it started to happen over a course of a couple years and you started to see some of those nwo guys like hall and diesel and all these guys from and hogan even and some of these guys that were in the wcw storylines were crossing back over to wwf as we knew it and along with that new talent like stone cold the rock and some of these guys were bringing uh, WWF to these new heights and the merchandise and the video game side of things saw such benefits. And the game we're going to talk about today, I think was the culmination of a, a few pretty good games that led up to the game we're talking about today, which is WWF no mercy for the Nintendo 64 from 2000. Yeah. The Nintendo 64 wrestling games made and developed by uh, Aki, who is now I think known as sin Sophia. Um, but Aki did an amazing job with these games and they were slow and they were tedious and they were not like super high action, high intense. They were, but they were very technical, but for some reason, just wrestling games have not felt the same since. And it's upsetting that the WWE ultimately went with the other company that was kind of making those games and they made more games that were similar to their SmackDown line at this time because Aki, I think, really did an amazing job and probably went on to make even better wrestling games than WWE was getting made at that point in time if we were to compare it as we went further on. 
But at this point, we really don't get too much from from them anymore. We we don't get wrestling games from them, even though I know like the main core developer, the the person who really made these games is actually going to work on an AEW game coming up soon. And hopefully crossed my fingers. That's very, very good. But Aki Corporation started with this WCW versus NWO World Tour on the N64, which was kind of like the second holiday when that came out. And then, yeah, it culminated in the game we're going to talk about today, which is WWF No Mercy, which I believe probably released in in and around the year 2000. And I think it was just from start to finish, like you said, it was the culmination of everything they were trying to do and pretty much what wrestling games were trying to do. Yeah, I mean, wrestling games, looking at the slate of them, you had some games on the NES, you had some games on the SNES, and some of them I actually enjoyed. There's a game called Royal Rumble on the SNES, which I had a lot of fun with. There was some, I think, a game called Hell in the Cell on the NES or a King... um, king of the ring type game as well on the game boy so there were games obviously as long as you want to merchandise your your product and your your characters and your wrestlers there were always games but it wasn't really till you said to like wcw nwo world tour that people said you know what the the, the, the mechanics the gameplay here is good mm-hmm. and then you got games like wcw nwo revenge and these games only came out like a year apart from one another yeah but you saw vast upgrades then you got WrestleMania 2000, which actually came out in 1999, and that was the WWF entry, but it had all the same great mechanics, but now with some of the best characters. And then again, the game we're going to talk about today was really, I think, they put it all together. And this game has a little bit of everything, everything people yeah. had asked for, the fans had asked for. They threw everything in there but the kitchen sink and it, it is ended up being, I think, the game people remember best when they talk about wrestling games. Yeah, I think so. I think this is like the N64 wrestling game. This is the end-all, be-all. And I think what sets this game apart from stuff like WCW versus NWO World Tour or even WCW versus NWO Revenge or WrestleMania 2000 is just the diversity of experience. With each successive game they made, they added more and more to it. And it's not just wrestlers. By the time you get to WWF 2000 or WWE 2000, you're working with a great character creator. You're working with more match types. You're you're slowly but surely adding more and more and more. And then when you get to WWF No Mercy in 2000, when that comes out in 2000, you've got different belt trees. You've got matches where you can get outside the ring. You can go behind the scenes. You could have wrestling matches in other spots of the building, which was very big at the time with like the, the proliferation of the hardcore championship and like the 24 hour belts that they started inventing at this point in time, because the attitude era was kind of about escalation. And that's probably ultimately why the attitude era doesn't really exist anymore because you get to a point where it's like, okay, we've gone as far as we can. How much further can we go? It's like you put a guy through a table. Cool. All right. Now you put a guy through a table as you jump over off a ladder. Cool. All right. Now you put a guy through a table that you wrap in barbed wire. Great. After that, it's like you light it on fire. And then once you get to that point, it's like, we really can't get any further. Right. We, we, we don't want to kill anyone here. Yeah, so. We don't want to, we don't want to kill anyone at Nassau Coliseum, but it's one of those things where it's just like, and the famous Long Island wrestler, Mick Foley, or yeah. he's got many other nicknames, Cactus Jack and Mankind, he has gone through such 
an amazing amount of stunts and injuries and what these guys go through, you say it's fake, but the amount of pain during the attitude error getting thrown from, like you said, a ladder on top of a, one of those cage matches, it's unbelievable. And this game has almost all of that, Mike. And it lets you do these things that you didn't think was possible in a video game. And to recreate taking someone out of the ring, going onto the announcer's table and then dropping them right through it. There was no better satisfaction. Also, yeah, it, it definitely it hit the right points, too, because for those of us who were like 2000, I was in, in 2000, the end of 2000, I was 14 years old. The, the Attitude Era was like a, a few years into it already. I feel like the Attitude Era was like made for people in their like early to mid to late teens, like just pretty much all teenagers. And this game came out at that time where it was like it was like lightning in a bottle right it came out at the time when wrestling was gigantic again you had these larger than life personalities and the matches in in wwf started getting more and more extreme and more and more different and more and more diverse and this video game like you're saying totally captures that it totally gets that aspect of what was going on in wwf wwe at the time And something you said was there were other wrestling video games at this time. And on the PlayStation and on the N64, you were getting a game by Acclaim called Attitude, which was really bad. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. A SmackDown series, which was also not very good, which was was all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the games might have looked prettier than the collection of games that we got. You know, No Mercy and WrestleMania 2000, they were less blocky. The characters were a little more rounded out, they looked more realistic. But everything beyond that felt very shallow. It didn't feel responsive. It didn't feel as tight as no. these games. No, it didn't. And while this game is definitely slower, more technical, you can do so much more. It doesn't feel like you're just bashing buttons to get stuff done. Now, the SmackDown games and, and Attitude and Warzone, Attitude and Warzone are the two Acclaim games. And then you have SmackDown and then ultimately SmackDown 2 with, oh my gosh, the worst loading times in history which I think those were produced by Ukes, who we I went think on was, to make games for years, years, years. And that's upsetting because yeah. those games just weren't as good. And the SmackDown versus Raw games or the WWF 2K games really feel more like those SmackDown games and much less like the WWF 2000 or WrestleMania 2000 rather and uh, No Mercy games. And that's upsetting to me because I really, really dug into these Aki produced games and man, was it, whether it was from spending hours creating a wrestler, we would go in and we would create like the entire WCW roster that wasn't in the game. You'd make your friends. You would just like spend hours in this, in this create a wrestler because there were so many moves that you could edit down to whether you were playing like the belt quests which were really fun. And on my WWF No Mercy cartridge, like my brother and I split which belts our creator wrestler had. So he had like the certain championship belt and I would have a certain championship belt. So we wouldn't challenge each other for the belts frequently. But also- But, but, playing, would- but playing a championship match was so cool because your character would walk to the ring holding or wearing the belts, which yeah. was- there was an ownership to that. There was a bragging rights to that. And then you saw it on the menus in the screens, which character had the belts. And as you said, playing through each of those championship title storylines was really cool. And this was added to No Mercy as an awesome feature. This the whole belt stealing, sharing, beatings, bragging rights, the whole 
process of it is important in wrestling. Oh, definitely. And it's part of the game. You could see like if you were more competitive, I guess, with the folks that you might have shared the console with, you would see the belts change over time. And when you go to the, the select a wrestler stage or you could see, like you said, you could see who has the belts, which is kind of great which is really cool. And then ultimately I would love to have seen this move forward where you could carry, like you bring your championship wrestler to someone else's house and maybe lose your belt to someone, a friend or do it through the internet. Like there's a lot you could do with the way in which this game is uh, displayed and laid out. And I wish there was there. I wish that we had more, a more technical uh, series of wrestling games. Like I like arcade wrestling. And then I like this, the SmackDown games are in between and I feel like they ultimately get lost in between or just aren't as good. There's not as much character there. There's something about landing a heavy grapple by holding down, I guess, the A button in on the N64. It's nothing about like grabbing that heavy grapple and then and then utilizing it to drop like a giant like power bomb or something like that, like a big heavy move. And then the the striking, the striking is probably the weakest in this game, but there's a lot of systems in here with 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 counters and whatnot that allow you to really just get really into the weeds and how technical it is. It's very responsive. So as you yeah. were saying, the grapples, there's a quick grapple and there's a, a strong grapple and depending on how long you hold the button down. And it's very easy to pick up and play, but I think it is hard to master because as you said, this counter system lets you counter strikes, counter grapples, counter moves. And a lot of it was just timing. When you got yeah. really good at the timing, you can watch someone play and it's counter, 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 back and forth, hitting your strikes away, stopping the grapples. And it's really fun. And each character has different speeds and types mm -hmm. of strikes based on their characters. And they all have different grappling moves based on their characters. It is all really well thought out. And as you said, the create a player's mode was so well made that you can create. I had a friend that made the entire roster of the, the entire X-Men yeah. uh, characters and had do it. 18 mutants in there and joining the game. So there really was no limit to what you could do as far as the roster and the gameplay. And I really think it's the full culmination of everything. They got intro music for all your favorite stars. So if you got Stone Cold coming in, you hear that glass break and you hear him enter, they got the, the signature music. They got him walking to the ring and, and shaking his head and yelling at the audience. They got the whole feel right. Yeah, no, they really did. And it just, there was, it, it nothing felt better than like getting home from school, playing No Mercy from like, I don't know, four or so till dinner time, finishing dinner, continuing to play No Mercy, and then like watching Raw at like nine o'clock on Monday night. I never said doing homework, by the way. I just want to let you know that you could do homework on the bus on the way to school in the morning. But no, just a, but it, there was that it was just all part of that, that the zeitgeist of it all. And everything like really led to these games just like continuing to drive the point home that wrestling in this era was so very, very good. And I remember spending so much time in the creator wrestler by the end. I think the only characters that had belts were all our created characters. Like none of the actual superstars had their belts, but what was great too, is that you could go in there and you could actually like edit down your everything. So like, if you're like, Oh man, I like the big show, but I want to make the big show look like Santa Claus or something. You could do that. 
Yeah, they let you, you actually edit the roster, not just your creative player characters. Yeah. You could edit the actual wrestlers in the game, Triple H, The Rock, Stone Cold. So let's say they change their costume in real life. Yeah. You could alter the way they wear their elbow sleeves or their knee, knee protectors. You could change all that, the colors, the styles, and then keep the roster kind of like a living roster or just change them up. If you want The Rock, me and my friends had a bet. And if we lost the other person wanted to edit and change the other person's creative player character to make them look stupid. <laughs> it was great. That's great. That's a great, that's a great way to make sure you never lose because it's just like, Oh no, I can't, I can't, my rock can't look dumb. I got my rocks got to be cool. We made the rock into what we called the giant purple grape. So he still looked like the rock, but he was this giant purple <laughs> rock. So there were things like that you could do in this game. A lot of it was just bragging rights and you didn't want to be embarrassed and you don't want to look a fool, but there was, oh, you know, you taunting in this game. That's like in oh, Smash. Yeah. If you taunt someone, you are calling them out. And taunting was like a big no-no. So if you did it, everyone was coming for you. You have to taunt in this game to a degree. That's the only way to get like your special energy bar. Right. Because this game doesn't really have like your normal style energy bar. It's pretty much represents the crowd have has your back. So what what's great about it is like the energy bar would deplete when you would get beat and it would change color and it would get to like a very like, like it would like I think at the worst it would be like a purple or a blue or something like that and that's when you were like oh no this is not going well and you would just lay out on the ground for like thirty seconds when you're yeah. really like beat it's hard to get back up off the ground it is it is but you need to kind of like use taunts and like beat your beat your opponents so that you can get that bar up to where it becomes the special bar and then you just do a heavy grapple and you hit that control stick and you'll do your special move. What's also funny about this game is that it doesn't use the control stick to move in a 3D wrestling game. It uses the D-pad. So you walk around the D-pad and you use your heavy grapples with your buttons or your, your light grapples or your strikes and your, your taunts are saved to the... Your taunts are the, are, the, are the analog stick on the N64, which felt weird when you first played it. When you're so used to playing 3D games with the analog stick, you have to switch your grip. And that made this game really fun. It really, really fun, especially when like you get that special grapple off. You just you hit that 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 uh, control stick, and it just is like it, it's like this feeling of like release as you get to see like the whole super move play out. And Stone Cold kicks someone in the gut and hits him with the stunner, and still one of the best moves that I think ever in terms of wrestling. It's it's just it's it's poetic and how simple and and destructive and and. And just powerful the move is. And when you get someone who sells the Stone Cold Stunner very well, like almost over the top well. They um, just bounce right up yeah, after they you get it. And they bounce up or they like full on stand up and fall down. It's like, yeah. it's like it's the best part of, of watching that stuff. Because in the end, what is wrestling than epic theater, right? It, that really is. It's, it's very similar to, I've had it described to me as like Breck's epic theater where the audience isn't on it. The wrestlers are in on it. We all know this is a show, so we're going to outsell and overperform everything. And that's really what wrestling is. And I've been to some live wrestling events, and man, you kind of get that feeling when you're in the room with it. And uh, these games really kind of capture that. And No Mercy definitely captured the kind of, for lack of a better term, that gets overused, the epic feel of what wrestling is really trying to do. And when you can create your own characters and mess with your roster, so your copy of No Mercy is different than everybody else's copy of No Mercy. It's it's really special. There's an identity to it. It's like when you go into my game, you'll see 
the, the wacky creator wrestlers. I created my version of Hulk Hogan, my version of Scott Hall and my version of Kevin Nash, or I made Santa Claus because you could. And it was funny to see Santa Claus like beat up people. Yeah. Mike, um, this game just understood the essence of wrestling at the time. Yeah. It, it just got it. And as you were saying about the specials, having a special in this game was like having a star in Mario. Yeah. So if someone hit you, you'd pound the ground and get back up really fast. You can counter everything really quickly. You can grapple really quickly. They just understood what made wrestling fun. So these finishing moves, these over-the-top weapons, the, the fans, they got you know, these background two-dimensional fans that are cheering. It just understood what made wrestling fun. And it understood what people wanted, what the audience, what the game players wanted to do in a wrestling game. No, absolutely. You wanted to have these big, larger than life moves. You wanted to have like the audience behind you. You wanted to hear the players cheering. And yeah, you wanted to drop a special move. You wanted to jump off a ladder. You wanted to put a guy through a table. You wanted to hit him with a barbed wire bat. Like this is everything, right? It did everything that wrestling was trying to do at the time, but also like celebrated what came before it. And I've always explained wrestling games. You get, you typically have two different types. You have like your arcadey style wrestling games. So like your, your WWF, like WrestleMania arcade game, or I think I forget what the name of it is, but it's like the arcade game where like Razor Ramon's hands would literally turn to razors when he hit people. It was like very mortal combat. And then you have stuff like no mercy, which is slow and technical and it's a technical wrestling game. And there's very few that are fair in between and I think there's a spot for both in, in the world today. And I think we could, I think wrestling games would benefit for having more games kind of like No Mercy and just so much fun. Straight start to finish, yeah. so much fun. Like you said, the amount of modes they put in this game from Royal Rumbles to four player matches to three player to tag matches, there's just so much as far as the variety and depth to the game whether you're playing with your friends or versus the computer, it's a fun yeah. game no matter which way you go. The amount of music in this game, because you everyone's music is signature. It's important. It is who this wrestler is, whether it's The Undertaker, whether it is The Big Show. When you hear their theme song, there's an excitement, adrenaline, and seeing their full intro play out, so watching Kane or Undertaker walk to the ring slowly, to watch some of these other more energetic guys, watching Triple H spit his water, all of this is what makes wrestling special is that these are personalities and this game lets them fully breathe and feel real. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like it, it leans on the performance aspect of it. And kudos to this game, especially for like it's like you said, like it's music and video, which like the N64 was not known for. It's not something that the N64 really did all that well especially when you have like the SmackDown games that can have like CD quality audio and actual video files and things like that on the disc. But it doesn't matter because this game just as a package is just so good that you kind of don't care that the music sounds a little off. It's in the end, it's like, it's got it, it's there. The characters taunts are there. All the personality from WWE at that point in time is in this game and it's crammed in this game. Like this game, this game is so overflowing with content for the time it's like today in today's day and age you wouldn't have half of this stuff in a game it would most of it would end up being like dlc like yeah. there's so much stuff well this this game had over 60 in the roster mike now i want to ask you who did you go to who was your go-to wrestler who did you play as when 
when these games came out, I usually, and this is, this is kind of weird, but I almost always went right to the creator wrestler, made a wrestler right away. Now, did you like, create yourself? Was uh, it Mike Staub in the game or did you create some I cre- I, ridiculous character? I cre- yeah, I created some like a ridiculous version of what I thought myself was. So when I was in high school, my goofy friends and I decided to join an eFed online, which was kind of like a chat room style, like wrestling federation where you would go to this website and you would like write your own promos and create these weirdo characters and stuff like that and have fun. They do it. They did it for a couple of things. Like I know people used to play in like Dragon Ball Z RPGs and stuff like that online. So the first thing I would normally do in a lot of these wrestling games is like create those wrestlers that we had made for uh, these efeds, and we had like these characters. So a lot of times I would just play as creative characters. But when when I didn't want to play as a creative character, uh, I would often play as like like Stone Cold or The Rock or like The Undertaker, like someone who I really liked a lot. And those are two three of my favorite characters at that point in time. And it was always a blast. So like they almost never had belts, like all those belts almost always belong to the creator wrestlers. But what I what I loved about the Royal Rumble mode is that you could put the Royal Rumble mode, I think, up to maybe 40 wrestlers in this game. I might be wrong about that. The normal Royal Rumble is 30, but I'm pretty sure you could you could get the Royal Rumble in this game to be a little bit higher, but they would send out everyone. So it was so cool to play the Royal Rumble and get a feel for like your other characters, like randomly after one of your guys had gotten thrown out of the ring. And then like, sometimes you'd end up with like, he's like, Oh man, I really wish I'd have someone cool like the rock or something. It's like, Oh no, here comes Vince McMahon or like, here comes some other like character that's just going to easily get beat real quick. But for most of the time, it's like, you know what? It's cool. You could you could you could really get a taste for who who the characters are. But yeah, the creator wrestler, because I was so appreciative of the create a wrestler from WWF to uh, WrestleMania 2000. When this game came out, we knew that the creator wrestler was only going to be better. So we spent so much time in that right away. So that's really where we went to. It was all like original content. And now you can go online and people have detail by detail lists of how to make just about anyone in the world, whether it's a, a former president, whether it's a basketball player, whether it's a, a wrestler that's not in the game. Like X-Pac, yeah. I believe, was in No Mercy, but not in... I mean, he was in WrestleMania 2000. I forgot if he made the cut in No Mercy. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, the name. I, don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. Because but... I was a big X-Pac fan. I think my friend had a custom make him in the game, but I, I could be getting that wrong. I could be mixing up my, my, my titles here. But it was cool how in-depth the creative player character was a creator wrestler was sure and that was sort of the intrigue of this game was to make your own wrestler but yeah i loved playing as some of the ones you said stone cold undertaker was always my favorite you had the the all-american the badass that he was or you had the old school creepy undertaker yeah which was cool is you could buy the undertaker's like old stuff because at this time he was doing like the whole kid rock thing where he was like a motorcycle guy and coming out to like the kid rock music but you could buy his old theme, you could buy his old his old costume in-game, like with in-game currency, and you could have a version of The Undertaker that was classic, like Ministry era Undertaker. I think you could even make like original Undertaker. Like you could have all four different versions yeah, of, and of Taker. When you look to characters like The Rock and Triple H, you can circle through their pre-already set costumes, and they usually had alternate, even Hulk Hogan had alternate yeah. costumes from their earlier days as well and some of their other personas. So it's oh, cool yeah. how WWF kind of leaned into some of their past as well. 
Exactly. And while WCW at this point in time wasn't merged with WWE yet, you could make a lot of the WW, WCW wrestlers in No Mercy. So I would make Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Ric Flair. Like you could go in and make those guys. You even <laughs> could make a, a copy of Mick Foley so that you could have Dude Love as well. So you could have like all four versions of Mick Foley in this game if you wanted to. And eventually when WCW was purchased by WWE, which I think was probably, I don't know, 2002, 2003, this game was still around. And obviously there were no content updates because it was the 90s or the early 2000s. You could still go in there and do a lot because these games were, these, this company worked on the WCW games before this. So they had kind of like the assets available. So if you wanted to make like classic R- yellow and red Hulk Hogan, you could, which was cool. And that was really it. And everyone's game was just a little different, which is also kind of awesome. There were a couple issues with these games. No Mercy and WrestleMania had famous cartridge issues where you actually would delete yeah. your save file. It happened to yeah. one of my buddies when he lost everything and they knew about it and they would have to send it in. They'd send you another cartridge or fix it. But that was sort of one of those early era issues with cartridges where there was a bug that you just couldn't fix. Yeah. And that's one of those things where people really hate updates and stuff like that, that happened and they hate day one patches, but games used to ship broken guys. Like, like I understand there was like, ah, they used to wait till they were finished. No, they didn't. They still had, they still had deadlines that they had to hit and games shipped with problems and if you were unfortunate you would have a problem and you would have a cartridge that would erase your save file and i feel like no mercy is definitely one of those cartridges that had those issues and it was definitely a cartridge that was probably like close to 80 bucks it was probably at least 70 based on the amount of content when it released and i didn't have that problem luckily i also had a controller memory pack that i would save stuff to and uh, ultimately i I think this game was enhanced by the expansion pack. I think it might have been. I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head. I knew I had an expansion pack because I had bought Majora's Mask, but I think this one might have been enhanced by that that RAM update. Yeah. The other thing, Mike, this part of the gaming era was very much about rentals. People went to Blockbuster, Hollywood Video, and I had played WCW NW World Tour by renting it. I probably had rented it so many times I probably could have bought it twice. Same thing with Revenge. Then eventually I just bought WrestleMania 2000 and New, No Mercy because I said, I'm going to rent these games so many times. It's going to yeah, spend $200 on a rental. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it's going to be worth more. You're going to spend more than the game is worth. But the best part about renting these games is because there's a creator character in it. When you would rent the game and you would put it in your N64, you would turn it on. You would see like this nonsense this nonsense. Now, I never rented No Mercy because I got it for, for Christmas that year, but I definitely rented WWF WrestleMania 2000. And you would go into the 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 characters. Oh, boy. Like, <laughs> what were they doing? And uh, it's kind of funny because then you would create wrestlers and put them in the game and then someone would rent it after that and they would look at your nonsense. So it was very, very fun. And that was like a fun, like part of the culture that like nobody really talks about. Yeah, when um, you got a rental, you didn't know what kind of save file you were going to get. And that was always kind of the roll of the dice with any game that had custom custom data in it. The other thing, Mike, about games of, of this time, and I feel like this game more than any, I feel like this game just looks like an N64 game more than any other game in the world. I mean, the yeah. blockiness, the squared off textures, just I feel like this is the N64 in a nutshell. If you want to show someone graphics from that era, 
you show them this game. Yeah. And it's real hard to look at now down to like the photocopied faces that were clearly like, look like they were put on with like scotch tape and an iron. And like, it was like, wow, what were you even thinking? Like everyone looks kind of swollen in the face. It's like, it's the same thing from Goldeneye. It's like when you look at the faces from Goldeneye or like Perfect Dark, you're like, oof. Oh boy, you are hard to look at. Like, and I think that uh, just speaks volumes about how good the game was itself, that we were mm-hmm. able to look past some of the jankiness of some of the square blocked. Oh boy. Graphics. Yeah. And everyone's like, everyone's looks like they can't put their arms down. Like they don't look like human beings, but I don't care. Yeah. I, can pow- I can pile drive people through a table. It's great. Well, Mike, this game was a high seller. It was actually the 38th best selling game on the N64, which That's pretty good. The N64 was. Not Nintendo's best system, but it did sell well for who did. It was had a loyal player base, and the games that did sell, they sold well. And this game sold in the millions. This game sold well. Well, that's really good. Uh, yeah, the N64 was a bit, little bit of a low seller in terms of a console. I think it's remembered as being more successful than it was. I think I think a lot of folks are like, oh, the N64, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, the PlayStation ate its lunch twice. But I'm not the biggest N64 fan out there. I, I actually, it's one of my least favorite Nintendo consoles. But when you sit down and you play the N64, there are some experiences that are highly indicative of what the N64 was doing. And this is one of them. Those multiplayer experiences, those couch experiences were better. And that doesn't mean that it was a more successful system because it was no. far from it. But the games like GoldenEye, the games like Smash Brothers, and the games like No Mercy, you could not play anywhere else. Nope, you couldn't play anywhere else. And if you tried to replicate it, it wouldn't work. You needed the unique setup of the N64 and the controller. See, back in those days when controllers were very different from console to console, you needed you needed to have games that were developed to the experience. And that's probably was what was ultimately to Nintendo's detriment here, that third-party developers didn't want to have to figure out how to make games that work for this ridiculous N64 controller. Plus, you're on a cartridge when everyone else was doing disc and they wanted to use CD-quality audio and they wanted to do all these things. So the N64 shot itself in the foot uh, a little bit before starting the race. There are some experiences that like are so unique and you couldn't do it elsewhere. And yeah, the game's a little ugly and yeah, it's a little janky and yeah, it's a little blocky, but you don't really care because it's so unique and different and original. And Aki did such a good job with this these games that it was just like, oh my gosh, it's so good. And then they ended up going on to do stuff like they did the Def Jam fight, uh, wrestling games that people really love. They did the Ultimate Muscle games, which were actually very, very good even though Ultimate Muscle wasn't like the hugest deal in the States. So you could see where their legacy kind of led them. And people love Def Jam Vendetta and Def Jam Fight for New York. They still play them. Like they're still seen in tournaments. Yeah, those games have a very loyal fan base and they're technically very good like this game. Yeah, and you get to wrestle with a bunch of rappers. So that's also kind of awesome at like the same time. So it's 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 so cool that that you kind of have like the, that experience there. But it all comes to this. It all comes back to these N64 games and feeling like that. And to this day, even the Def Jam games, which are awesome, still don't completely capture the essence of these games. And maybe this new AEW game will do it, but it almost feels like it's an impossible thing to replicate at this point. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to capture that lightning in the bottle again. It's hard to capture the magic of the original. And this game, I think it's kind of like GoldenEye that we'll never see a port 
of this again because of all the copyrights, the characters, the people, the personalities, the music. It's just way too challenging to try and make this a re-release on a modern console. You would have to almost remake it with all generics or all original characters from the developer who doesn't exist anymore. So it's one of those things where like you can't play this game anywhere. You play yeah. this game in one place. And that's one of the incredible things about gaming. We've said this before, but like you can take a DVD copy of said movie and you can play it anywhere still decades from now. But certain games are trapped on certain consoles and we can talk about them here and we can reminisce about how our buddies and, and I you know, and us got all together, sat in someone's basement and yelled and screamed and ate cheese noodles playing this game for hours. But you cannot... This game, unless you have the original console, the original controllers, and the original cartridge, you cannot replicate that experience. No, absolutely not. And there is something very special about couch-based multiplayer. There's something very special about it, which I, we sometimes kind of get a little jaded by how, how the internet works today and being able to play games online and how special online games are. But... I've played a lot of games online and it's a lot of fun, especially that Xbox 360 era where it's like everyone had the headset and everyone was yelling at each other. It was great. They were trying to replicate what you were doing at a friend's house prior to that. But whether it's the Smash Brothers tournament we had uh, a month ago or it's the I yesterday I met up with some friends to play Super Mario Party in person and there's nothing beats it. Because you, you, you busted each other's chops, you're coming up with jokes, you have nicknames for everyone's stupid characters. And there's something special about it. And I, I, when, when going to these, going to your place to play Smash or playing Mario Party with my friends, my other friends, I was like sitting there like, oh, I get it again. I understand why Nintendo is kind of behind it, behind the times with the internet a little bit. I still don't forgive them fully because I still think they really need to make the internet better. But when it's, when it's playing, you know, games with your friends and stuff, there's a specialness to that, which I think we've lost a little bit. I think we've lost a little bit over time because the internet has gotten so good, but there's nothing like sitting down, playing a wrestling game, talking trash, eating junk food, and just having a good time. Totally. So I appreciate that friends like you still do this stuff, still want to have events at their house to have a bunch of people in the same room yelling at a TV screen while other people are playing video games. It's, it's a real beautiful thing. Well, No we Mercy was sort of the one of the first experiences of my life where I would play a three or four player match with my buddies. And sometimes these matches would last for 40 minutes. No one would let oh, the yeah. other person get a pin in. And at the end of it, I might lose. And I was never real angry. I was never really pissed off because huh. I just had so much fun. The whole experience is the journey and some of these long matches than it is the actual outcome. It's about doing stupid stuff and ridiculous stuff and like pulling out a chair or jumping off the turnbuckle or actually landing a special move, bashing one of your other friends in the face while so they fall down so you can pin someone else. And sometimes it's, like, it's about creating a feud. Sometimes one of your buddies will let you pin their other friend and then they'll remember that the next match and then it becomes who's on whose side and it becomes a whole like real life wrestling uh, personality drama. No, you're right. You're right. And a lot of in-person gaming has kind of moved away from video games, right? A lot of it nowadays is board games and card games and stuff like that. And I love board games and card games. I love a good board game night. But I, I'm always the one guy's like, hey, hey, can we get together and play like a wrestling game like once? And it almost never works because nobody ever wants to do it. Uh, but in the end, it's kind of like you, we've lost something here. We've kind of lost this. And Nintendo's trying to keep it. They're trying to keep it. Maybe a, no, a new wrestling game from this developer will bring that feeling back. 
So hopefully, fingers crossed, we can get something like No Mercy again in the future. It doesn't have to be quite as technical, but if we get something with a robust creative character with more technical wrestling, I think it would be just an amazing thing to play. And hey, if this AEW game works out, great. I will buy it. I don't watch AEW. I haven't watched WWE in years aside from the Royal Rumble, which I watch every year. It's like my... It's like my one tradition that I watch like right before the Super Bowl. I love I the Royal Rumble. It's the Royal best. Rumble. It's the best. You know, Mike, yeah. I bought the uh, 2K Battlegrounds game on the Switch more for hope that it might be pretty good. And it was on sale. And it's sort of this over-the-top arcade-looking. It almost looks like the NBA Battleground, yeah, Playgrounds type game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything's large heads, bobbleheads type look. And it's not very good. It's it's a shame because the roster's great. They brought a lot of the characters back. And I would love for there to be a new good quality wrestling game come out because it's been too long. I was playing recently and I like I like both sides of the wrestling of the wrestling games. I like I love the arcade wrestling games. I love Saturday Night Slam Masters. I love WrestleMania, whatever, the arcade game. I bought WWF or WWE All-Stars on the on the Xbox 360 and it is a blast but you can't get it anywhere else and that's a great arcade game it's way better than WWE Battlegrounds it's way better way better it's a much better over the top arcade experience but if you want the technical stuff you got to kind of play No Mercy because the the 2K games are just like eh they're janky i mean they've actually canceled i think last year's game because they said they yeah. could kind of go back to the drawing board they they've gotten a really bad reputation on, like, on the Xbox like, PlayStation side. And then they port these joke of a ports to the Switch that people say are unplayable as far as yeah. the load times and the Stupid. lag. So, but. and it's, yeah. And it's like, uh, it's like Madden. It's the same game every year. They just kind of change up the rosters, which is stupid. It's, I know. it's not fun and it's not good. So Mike, let's wrap up our conversation on 2000s No Mercy on the N64. Bring us home. Well, I'll tell you right now, it is definitely the heavyweight champion of the world heavyweight champion with your spinny belt or whatever. If you're John Cena, it is the world heavyweight champion of the wrestling games. You can't even come close. I think it is the best wrestling game ever made. I think the most fun I've ever had. I know there's some kid right now who's like 18 who thinks I'm just okay boomering all over this thing, but I'll tell you something. This was special. You got four, four, four friends in a room playing this game, even more than four friends. You could have five, six, eight friends. You just switch controllers off. It is a magical experience. It is a great day. It is couch co-op at its best. It is creator wrestling close to being at its best. It is a fully, it is a full game in and of itself is a unique statement to make in 2021. It is a full game. Everything's on the cartridge. Complete. Everything that you can that you can need and want and want to do, you can create a whole bunch of characters, you can adjust stables, you can do so much. It's a customizable, wonderful wrestling experience. And if you have an N64 and have a chance to get your hands on this game and it's not $5,000, do it because I think it's worth every moment and every penny. Mic drop. Mike just dropped the microphone. He summed up for us why that game is the best. He drew first blood. He knocked them out. He made them submit all of the above. He won. So, Mike, thanks for bringing us home. Can you tell us? Because everyone wants to know, Mike, what have you been playing lately? Yeah, so I'm still just finishing up Ratchet and & Clank. And Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart on the PS5. And it's great. It's just a really solid Ratchet and Clank game. And I love it. It's so much fun. It really looks unbelievable. It plays very, very well. You're really starting to see the PS5 really start to do 
all this amazing stuff that it should be doing. And it's just really, I, I never understand. It's like, is this the first real next gen experience? I guess so. I don't know. I never really look at things that way, which is probably my fault. It's probably my problem there, but it's great. I've also been playing a little bit of a lot of bit rather Blaster Master Zero Two on the Switch, which if you're a fan of these games, this one is even better than the first one. Blaster Master Zero Three comes out at the end of the month and I had the pleasure for Long Island Retro Gaming to interview uh, one of the producers over at Inti Crates, a man by the name of, of Matt Papa, who was just lovely to talk to. So don't mean to don't mean to advertise another podcast on here, but if you want to hear that that conversation, it should be available by now if I've done the editing. But that was a lot of fun. So I played a bit of that and I'm actually I got my Game Boy EverDrive, Game Boy Advance EverDrive. So don't don't send the FBI after me. But I got my Game Boy Advance EverDrive in my DS and I've been playing through the 2D Metroid games again. So I'm all caught up for dread. So I've been playing Zero Mission, which is one of the best Metroid games that you could play. Yeah, that's awesome, Mike. The uh, 2D Metroid games are excellent, and it's fun to play through them once so again. I, you're making me want to get a ROM and an emulator and, and do some illegal activities. Hey, man, if you have a GBA or if you have a DS Lite, uh, the, the EverDrive is not that expensive. It's like 80 bucks, and... You can load it up with all the games. And I don't feel so guilty because I've bought the game so many times, really. Like, well, you're I, making copies for yourself. Exactly, exactly. That's awesome, Mike. So I, I'm excited because people out there in the ethos are playing the new Mario Golf, which I've heard decent yeah. things about, which I, I plan on. At some point, I'll probably pick it up. Yeah, you know, the, the, I w- I'll probably give it a shot just because I love a good relaxing like golf game like that. And I'm not really great at like technical style of golf. So like just sitting and playing Mario Golf is always a blast. My friends, I'm not sure like we haven't played Mario Golf yet, but my 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 other friends that I play a lot of video games with, they they're not into like Mario Golf. So I don't know if speed golf's going to happen. But Matt, if you're down, uh, I would love to swing by and play speed golf. It might have to happen because I've heard good things. Yeah. So, so that's definitely on my radar. I have been completing through Uncharted 4. I'm like in chapter 15 or 16. The game is probably the longest Uncharted game of the ones of, of, oh, yeah. of what I've played thus far. It's definitely longer than the first three. And then I've also been playing through Paper Mario with my son, which I, I bought a year ago, never got around to because of gaming backlogs. And of course, that happens. As, as you do, as you do. And it's it's a joy. I think the battle system is kind of boring and it gets kind of repetitive in this in this game, the Origami King. But the game itself is so charming. It's so fun. I love the exploration. I love trying to figure things out. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed my time with that game. My issue with it is the same issue that a lot of people have is like, I wish you just put the RPG mechanics in there. Like, I wish you gave me stats. Like, there's no reason to have ter- turn-based battles or ba- literally turn-based battles in this game because you're literally turning the battlefield. Yeah, it does get a little repetitive after a while. And in an RPG, when you have that repetition, you're like, I'll deal with it because I'm getting better. But, but there's no game, progression. There's you're, no not, progression. you're not leveling up your abilities and or weapons. You're not leveling up your characters. You get some new abilities, but... It doesn't happen often enough, and they take them away from me too. I got, I think, iron boots, and then like three turns later, they I broke them. I'm like, no, (laughs) yeah, no, it's like Nintendo just doesn't want to make uh, a straight up Mario RPG anymore. And what's crazy is that it's developed by Intelligent Systems, who makes Fire Emblem, which is like the most intricate like strategy RPG out there. So, eh, it's still fun, like you said, it's still charming, it's still a good game. It's just like if you're expecting one thing, you're not getting it. 
Totally. Well, Mike, I want to thank you very much for joining us once again on the Hall of Fame video game podcast. This is a great joy. Tell us where everyone can find you. Sure. You can find me at here every week with with Matt here on the Hall of Fame podcast featuring video games. It's been an absolute joy to do this for the last Oh, geez. Almost a year now. It's been very, very fun. We've had some great conversations. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at the underscore Mike underscore Staub. You can also find me on my other podcast, How About This, which you could find me on How About This Pod on Facebook and Instagram. You can find my band, Bad Mary, at Bad Mary Band, pretty much everywhere, everywhere from Facebook to TikTok. You can find us there. You can go to badmary.com. We're actually starting to play live again, which thank Thank the gods that that is happening because boy, it's been a strange year and three or four months without being able to perform. And now we're finally getting back to it. And last but not least, you can find me on LI Retro, Long Island Retro Gaming. I host the LI Retro podcast, so you can search that out online. And I have a very good interview coming up if it's not already out. So you got to give yourself a chance and, and, and listen and watch that. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm doing a lot of stuff, but I'm happy to be here every week. So this is a blast. So that is Mike Staub, who joins us every week. I am Matt Levy. Please do follow our Instagram page. I have been daily updating with Switch titles on my library. People are um, enjoying the takes. We're getting a a lot of great feedback. We have over 2,500 downloads. We have passed over 700 followers. So this is, it's great to know that the community is responding, having a good time, and we are loving it. So thank you guys so very much. Yeah, and those those Switch library, that Switch library thing is awesome. I, I love that. I've, I've been paying attention as closely as I can, but there's a lot that you're putting out there. So it's so much fun to like go and take a look at everything on your Switch because I'm pretty sure you buy every game. I do, and then I look on the eShop and there's like 3,000 games and I go... Nope, I have like 4%, but yeah, I, I know. <laughs> you buy all the games that are like worth it. You're not buying the shovelware. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's really great to watch. Well, thank you guys so much. We will see you guys next time. And just know that you, if you draw first blood, you TKO, you submit, if you hit it with a weapon, if you get knocked out of the ring, there's a lot of ways you can lose, guys. A lot of ways to lose in the WWE No Mercy, but... Just in the end of the day, if you're the champion, you're still the champion. So everyone has to recognize that as well. Thanks, guys. Thank you. From Mike and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Game Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.